Hey everyone, welcome to the first episode of CommuteCast, hosted by Varen Kandal. Today's topic is all about the latest innovation in AI, ChatGPT, and how it's changing the way we communicate. Now that introduction was written by ChatGPT, but what exactly is it? ChatGPT is a large language model chatbot that's trained to have intelligent conversations. Essentially, it's a chatbot where you can give it prompts and it'll respond smartly, intelligently. And one of the key features that separates ChatGPT from any other chatbot that might have already existed is its capability to adjust answers based on input and also remember old parts of a conversation. So even if you ask it a question later on, it can reference things that you've said earlier. ChatGPT has been thrown around a lot and is gaining a lot of traction in the um, world of technology and AI, mostly about how it can generate so many fluid conversations that's almost human-like. But how exactly does it work? Uh, I know a lot of people uh, just treat these kind of AI things as magic, like, oh, it's a wave of a wand and uh, it's just talking like a human. However, the way that ChatGPT was developed is actually really fascinating. So essentially, ChatGPT um, is based off a reinforcement learning from human feedback. So basically, it's almost how you train a dog. You reward it for good behavior, and you don't reward or sometimes even punish for bad behavior. Essentially, what you do is um, you train this GPT model to generate responses, and if it's generating good responses, it will give it a reward. However, if it's generating bad responses, then you kind of punish it or you don't give it a reward. But what separates it even more from existing uh, AI models or chatbots is the way that it was trained. So OpenAI, OpenAI is basically an organization that develops these really cool um, AI technologies. Some, uh, some things that you might have heard around are DALI, which is the image generation uh, based on stable diffusion and I guess the one of their biggest ones is ChatGPT. So when going about training ChatGPT, they broke it down into three main steps. So the first step was to train the model to understand what kinds of things it should respond with to certain queries. So this is kind of the backbone of a chatbot, right? You want it to understand how to respond to certain queries or um, what exactly it should say in certain situations. So the way they trained this was like in any other chatbot. They had a list of different prompts, and then they asked actual human labelers um, to write responses to these prompts. And then they gave these pairs of prompts and answers to a pre-trained GPT-3 model. So a pre-trained model is basically a very basic level chatbot that's able to um, give answers or reply to any questions that you might have. However, it's not intelligent enough to have a human-like conversation which is uh, there in ChatGPT. And essentially what this does is this thing called supervised learning, which basically means you give the model an input and you give the model an output and you teach it how um, to find patterns between the input and the output. So this step was done multiple times in the process of training ChatGPT and it allowed the ChatGPT to learn better on how exactly it should respond to different kind of prompts that you might ask. So for example, um, some things I've seen around are people asking ChatGPT to generate recipes. 
So one of the training tasks might have been, or one of the prompts that was given might have been generate a recipe. And then one of the labelers would have written a recipe or a walkthrough on how to cook something. And then essentially the model is learning from this. So it'll learn that, oh, when someone asks me to give a recipe, this is the kind of format that I might want to follow. And these are the kind of responses that humans would expect. So these are the types that I should kind of lean towards. So now you have a model that's able to generate answers based on a given prompt. But how exactly do you choose the best possible answer? Again, a random prompt is chosen out of the list of all their prompts. And for each prompt, they allow the uh, GPT model to generate two or more responses. And essentially what this does is, um, since the model isn't deterministic, meaning that every time you ask it something, it'll give you something different. It's not like hard-coded to the point where um, every time you ask it, it's going to say the same thing. That's what kind of makes it intelligent and more human-like. If you ask a human the same question multiple times that is not an objective question, you'll probably get different kinds of answers every time. So once they gave this random prompt to ChatGPT, they generated two, three, even four or five uh, possible responses and then asked a human to rank these responses in order of favorable to not favorable or almost um, which responses actually answered the prompt and which responses are just like not close at all. And then they fed this um, ranking. So they ranked it like one through five or something. And then they fed this ranking into a new model. Um, this model is called a ranking model. And this ranking model, the main purpose and basically the only purpose of this model is to teach um, the ChatGPT model to choose the most favorable one. So in the first step, we were able to teach the model to generate responses based on given prompts. And then in the second step, we teach it how to get better responses just based on rankings and teaching it that some responses might be favorable over others. And as I said, um, OpenAI broke this down into three main steps. So the last step was to optimize this model altogether. So essentially we want this model to be able to use the rewards that are given to more favorable answers and then be able to generate these responses rather than the unfavorable ones. Like if you think about it, if the model follows like a, a pathway where it, it every time someone asks it a prompt it'll create four or five responses and then compare them that's really inefficient it'll take you so much time to get a response so that's not the approach they went towards rather they decided to teach the model that some responses are favorable over others and then they gave these uh reward values to the more favorable responses and then kind of created pairs of like Oh, so this response uh, gets a reward of this and then uh, so on and so forth to all the different responses that they trained on. And then this really allows the model to understand better and find patterns between better ranked responses and kind of favor those and give those responses back to the human in a conversation. But to do this, um, essentially, we have to go back a step. So we, again, we create a prompt, we give it like a random prompt, and we give it a very basic model. So in this context, you can think of a model like 
a black box that takes in an input, which is a prompt given from a user, and gives an output, which is a response to the prompt. So just think of a model like that. You can think of it like a function uh, where x is taken in, and then f of x comes out, which is just the function performed on the input. Then uh, this basic model outputs a response, which we can suppose to be pretty bad, right? Because it's a pretty basic model. It doesn't really understand which kind of responses fit to which uh, prompts, or even which kind of responses are more favorable to certain other ones. But here's where the step that we spoke about last time comes in, the reward. So we feed in the response generated by the basic model into our reward model and generate a score. So the reward model is what I spoke about earlier, which is basically the only thing that reward model has learned is based on how a human ranks certain different responses and gives it a score. This model should do the same thing. So rather than having a human come in and then choose which response is better, the reward model basically just gives a higher score to whichever response is more favorable. So now we have a score for a given response uh, by the basic model. And to finally close the loop, we put this score back into the basic model, essentially telling it how uh, favorable this response would be as compared to other possible responses. And then we do this step multiple times and we train it over uh, a long time. You can train it over like a thousand epochs. Epochs is just like um, a way of saying how many training samples you train on. And essentially you train it so much that this model is uh, able to figure out patterns in which kind of responses are favored over others. And as I said earlier, OpenAI did this process several times. So they ensured that their model was properly trained and generalized. So it's not only able to do very like niche things, but it's able to generalize to a lot of different things. Like for example, I've seen a lot of examples of people who are generating recipes off of ChatGPT, people who are telling ChatGPT to write creative stories and it's actually able to write some pretty interesting stuff and even solving coding interview questions. Um, and that kind of transitions me into um, the main part about this. Like I totally found the way that they train ChatGPT to be fascinating, but the most fascinating part about this, in my opinion, um, is about the ethics that are involved with the development of AI like ChatGPT. So of course, um, at the surface level, ChatGPT is really cool. It's like a, a fun new way to interact with the internet. Um, we always had Google, uh, which is you just search something up, you'll get a list of possible answers and you kind of scour the page or you scour the multiple pages that are generated to find uh, the response that best fits your need. However, ChatGPT makes this so much more convenient that you can just type in whatever question you have and you can make it as specific as you want and it'll be able to get give you like a really good response. And this is so powerful that I've, um, in the news, like I've read that like a lot of search engines are also transitioning to these kind of um, technologies where they'll be able to personalize the searches rather than kind of giving a list of possible responses. In fact, Google just a couple of days ago announced BARD, uh, B-A-R-D, which is their own version of, essentially their own version of ChatGPT in which it'll be able to give you personalized help or it will give you responses based on whatever query you give it and not like a traditional Google search.
And second, a really cool um, implementation of ChatGPT um, is in education where it can be very personalized. So whenever um, you have a question or you want to ask a teacher something, the teacher always has to take this into account and they have to kind of think about if this is like a situation where they would want to generalize this to the whole class and spend time teaching everyone or if it's something more personal that, personal that they would have to devote um, time outside of class or something like that to teach you better. But now there's this, there's this like technologies like uh, ChatGPT who will be able to give you that personalized help um, within just a couple of sentences. You'll be able to write whichever questions you want. You can provide it with a lot of feedback. Like you can say, oh, I'm having trouble learning how to graph this polynomial. Okay, it'll teach you the basics of graphing a polynomial. And then you can say, oh, I already knew how to do that. What about a more difficult one? And then you can say like, for example, this function. And then it'll do that for you. But if you were to do this on Google, you can't really do that. You would have to navigate to different websites, put in your own, um, you'll have to think a lot on your own about how to go through things. But I still feel that that learning process of where you have to find your own resources and you have to kind of think about what you need in a different perspective or in the perspective of something that's a lot more modular or like you have to go from place to place or you have to go from search to search in order to fully and to fully get your questions answered is a really good way of thinking. And I feel like that's one of the things that um, serves as like a con of ChatGPT is that it will introduce a lot of kind of shortcuts to work. You'll ask ChatGPT to do things um, and you'll kind of lose that way of thinking. And I guess that's a fear that people have had even when Google came out, but it seems that we're all doing fine. Uh, people, when Google on the internet was coming out, were like, oh, people are just going to search stuff up. They're going to completely lose how to think or like how to uh, do normal things or like very basic things. And they're going to resort to using things like Google or even like calculators. People said, oh, if you give a kid a calculator, he's never going to learn how to do math because he'll just use the calculator for everything. But it's been proven that that's not the case. And I think... Um, if used properly, which history has shown that it can be used properly, that ChatGPT can be a really powerful tool. But in the wrong hands, ChatGPT can serve as as a very negative technology, I would say. Um, for example, one of the first things that came to mind is the ease of cheating now with ChatGPT. Um, and transitioning over, I really feel that one of the cons of ChatGPT is cheating and how it makes cheating a lot more easier. For example, um, I know a lot of people who have been working hard to go through a lot of, to the series of like software engineering interviews, uh, practicing leak code, learning how to do data structures and algorithms. Um, but now you can literally ask ChatGPT how to do it, uh, do like pretty medium level coding questions. Um, for those of you who know LeetCode, LeetCode is basically a bank of coding questions that have been asked by different companies. And it'll it's like a preparation website where you can kind of answer those questions on your own, see how efficient your code is, and it'll prepare you for 
what, uh, whatever interviews you're planning to do next. But now, ChatGPT is capable of doing almost all of the leak code mediums. So these are the medium level questions and it's also able to do some of the difficult ones. <laughs> and to be frank, like mediums are a struggle sometimes. Hearts are like damn near impossible, but sometimes doable. And then the, the fact that ChatGPT is able to not only answer these questions, like of course people can answer these questions, but they can optimize it just by you telling it, oh, like make it faster or make it more space efficient. So it's kind of terrifying that, of course, if you're doing like an interview, people still cheat. They search it up on Google. They'll search it up on LeetCode during their interview. And, but they'll have to like scour a bunch of websites, find the, um, find kind of the question that they're looking for and kind of find that in their coding language or whatever. They'll have to go through an entire process. However, now that you have ChatGPT, you can literally say, hey, ChatGPT, can you teach, um, can you write me a Python code to reverse a linked list? And then it'll give you literally the Python code you need to reverse a linked list. But it'll give you like a basic solution, but to optimize that solution, which is often something that uh, is looked upon um, as a positive in your software engineering interviews, is that you consider trade-offs and you kind of think about how your code can be made more effective or more efficient. So you can literally tell ChatGPT, hey ChatGPT, now that you gave me this code to reverse a linked list, can you help me make it faster? And it will make it faster for you, which is terrifying. Um, like even if you have code that exists and you can tell it, you can tell it the code that you have and say, oh, can you make this more space efficient? So things like that come in and uh, kind of continuing on that, continuing on that line of code generation and using chat GPT for technology um, or generating code is the idea of malware generation. So I, I've read this in the context of cybersecurity and it's been kind of crazy to read that, uh, but chat GPT is capable, well, since it's capable of generating like good code, you can only imagine that it'll be able to generate bad code. And bad code in this sense is basically um, code that can be used by someone to create a virus, create some kind of malware, or just create anything that can um, serve as destructive towards other code or some kind of technology that you might be using. And ChatGPT has been able to do this, even though OpenAI claims that they've reduced the toxicity levels of ChatGPT, they've ensured that um, ChatGPT won't give responses to these queries that have negative connotations. But clearly, like, this is not the case yet. A lot of things that can be done. And yeah, so malware generation is like a big, big concern of the cybersecurity realm. And one of the things that has been seen is that oftentimes when you're writing um, code to kind of break firewalls, or like you see it in the movies where they're, they're breaking encryption systems and they're doing um, these kind of things to break into some system, um, It'll often require like a lot of brute force. You'll have to do a lot of the combinations yourself, trying different passwords, trying different um, encryption keys, for example. But now you can get ChatGPT to write you a script to literally um, write an effective code or a script that will hack into the system, just at a broad level, just hack into the system 
um, or install a virus into the system or do some crazy things like that. And at, at a high level, like, yeah, people can already do this. So, um, like how bad can it be? Like we have like pretty bad people in this world who are hackers. Um, but now a system can do it. So anyone can do it. So anyone with bad intentions can pretty easily hack into someone else's systems. So that's kind of, um, one of the negatives of chat GBT. And I think that it's really, it really comes down to how strong OpenAI makes their systems to uh, restrict the toxicity levels and like the negative levels of ChatGPT. Like, honestly, it's not possible. Like, they're not going to be able to create a system that only generates responses to positive queries because you have to then develop like a sense of emotion or sentiment in ChatGPT which is really hard to do in something that's binary or like that's computer-based because it doesn't have a brain. Like it has the computing systems to be able to do these hard kind of tasks that are almost human-like, but one of the negatives or one of the uh, lackings of a technology that's based in a computer is the lack of human ability to reason and kind of involves sentiment or emotion or like human thinking, human cognition into this whole process. So I don't know if it's possible. I doubt it's possible to restrict the level of toxicity. They can do it to an extent. I know they've done it to an extent to where um, it's almost like a, a PG-13 kind of uh, technology where you can't really generate any adult uh, related content or stuff like that. So. That's good on them, they've been able to do that, but I don't know if that's still secure enough because you can definitely still do some pretty scary stuff on ChatGPT. And then uh, moving on, another negative of ChatGPT is the idea of the number of jobs that ChatGPT could take over. Like I was talking to this, uh, I was talking about this with a couple of my friends and my parents as well. And we kind of discussed about how ChatGPT can literally do a lot of the work that people are doing in the industry. Like, whether it be people in accounting who are uh, literally doing payrolls off of technology for, it can even be basic uh, level software engineers where they're just writing code or fixing bugs. And essentially these bugs and this code can be written by ChatGPT. So what's the need to hire an entire software engineer when you can just pay like a monthly rate to have ChatGPT write it for you or maintain your system for you. So I think ChatGPT uh, will really make, like if it's strong enough, which I believe it will be um, because of the release of GPT-4 this coming quarter, um, I think it can be really powerful and it'll really scare a lot of people about um, their job security. And I don't know, I don't know if it'll move into um kind of corporations to the level of where they're using it as a substitute to employees but slowly but surely people are going to start using chat gpt for their like routine functions literally like writing emails um can you write a rejection email to this candidate who we hire who we don't want to hire um they'll do that they can take the job of a recruiter they can take the job of uh, people who are in like low level uh, 
kind of leadership positions where they're kind of making low-level decisions about hiring or some, some stuff like that. Um, so yeah, the loss of jobs is kind of a, a crazy, crazy side effect of ChatGPT, which I think is far-fetched. I doubt it's going to happen because the level of human reason that are needed in modern day jobs um, is not quite present in AI technology as of yet, but I think it'll, it'll start coming into people's minds. And lastly, um, one of the, uh, is, I kind of touched on this before, but one of the saddest part of technologies like this is um, what I like to call the departure from Flavortown. Um, humans are very creative and um, like you hear everywhere like, oh, get your creative juices flowing or like put your creative hat on. And um, people like it when you think of a creative solution to an everyday problem. That's how kind of startups have started. That's how a lot of things are developed. A lot of technologies are found. But um, when technology like this is developed, that's very robotic and almost has uh, little to no element of humane of like human cognition, it really loses that flavor of um, of human intuition. I would say, like people will get so routinely used to ChatGPT that they will literally write and behave like ChatGPT because that will be all that they're used to. And especially if this is used in education, like I've like it's as crazy as it sounds. I read this one blog post by a professor at. ASU, who's um, using ChatGPT to show students how to write. Okay, like people know how to write. Um, they're college level students. Clearly, they go to ASU. Um, yet he's using ChatGPT to show them how to write. And like writing is one of the most creative processes that I can think of. Uh, like different types of arts and literature and writing. Uh, but using a robotic technology like that will really decrease um, kind of the creative juices in humans and it'll make you really, really bland. And it'll basically, it'll create that departure from flavor town. We won't be able to think as creatively as we would because all we're surrounded by is this technology that's able to do this stuff easily for us. And sometimes um, people say like, oh, time is money. All, everything's about efficiency. And yeah, ChatGPT is able to do that. It's able to achieve phenomenal results in really less time. But that flavor and that human emotion and human intuition is lacking in those responses, which I fear can be lost by heavy use of something like ChatGPT. But also, like as I said earlier, that's the concern that people had with the internet in the first in the old days, where they were like, "Oh, the internet's gonna make us." lose our creativity like it'll just we're all going to become robots because all we do is listen to our computers and that's clearly not happened yet there's still a lot of um creativity it, it's honestly uh, the internet and the computer have enabled more creativity in humans than than creativity there was before and i wonder if if ChatGPT can do the same um so there's a lot of things to think about with ChatGPT. it's a really really cool technology and even though there are like several cons and you might think like, oh, there's so many cons. So why would we even want this in the first place? 
but the power that ChatGPT can enable um, and kind of allow us to think better, to learn better, and kind of streamline a lot of our um, like everyday practices uh, makes ChatGPT a really powerful tool. So that's all I have for you. Um, let me know what you think of ChatGPT, and I'm really excited to hear everyone's thoughts. Thank you, and excited for the next episode. Bye, everyone.